You are listening to Feeding the Mouth That Bites You with Ashley Parrish and Jessica Pfeiffer. A weekly podcast guide on parenting teens and launching them into the world. As always, we are joined by psychologist and author, Dr. Ken Wilgus. Hey guys, and welcome back. Hey, Ashley. Hey, Dr. Ken. How are Hi, you guys? Hi, kids. Hi, kids. Hey. My kids are home again today. This no, year just not. cannot start. This year cannot start smoothly. <laughs> you it told is us they'll go back after the quarantine period. Well, what are you yes. talking about? We have a tropical storm here, Dr. Ken. Oh, yes. You're using so, that little excuse. We're home mm-hmm. for maybe maybe some flooding. We'll see what oh, happens today. It's going to be serious, though, isn't it? Like like they're not talking two or three inches. It might it might be up to 20 is what they're saying. I'm oh. pray, praying that it won't be nearly that much, but wow. it, they're home again today. So we're having a little disrupted schedule again. I'm ready for this year to take off and be normal. <laughs> it's true. You've had a couple stops like, uh, uh, you yeah. know, yes. get yeah. going. <laughs> it does yes. remind me is again, this will be a trigger for another Dr. Wilgus thing to remind everybody, but COVID is stressful. Mm-hmm. Storms and things like this are stressful. You know, it adds kind of this baseline uh that just everyone's life is very stressed and mm-hmm. i'm and we really need to be aware of that pray for each other be careful with ourselves kind to ourselves in the sense that just because it's old news something like covid does not mean that it's not still on top of us so that just what we said like oh i thought jessica's kids were back in school from the whole covid thing oh no there's a new thing apparently there's a thing called mm-hmm. hurricanes and tropical storms uh, mm-hmm. You know, my youngest daughter lives in New York with her husband and they had to deal with uh, hurricane, you know, stuff, uh, stuff canceled. So it's stressful mm-hmm. for everybody. You can feel it, right? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think no matter where you live in the country, there's something going on that is uh, overwhelming on top of COVID and getting the kids back to school. And so, you know, between wildfires and storms, it feels yes. like everybody's just dealing with a lot. And I agree, Dr. Ken, it's important just to give yourself a little grace. I was feeling very frustrated and was being hard on myself last week. And then I thought, oh my goodness, give yourself a break. Life is not normal. Let it go. Let your expectations go of what life should be like. It's okay if you don't have the laundry done. We're just dealing with today. (laughs) And you know, it's funny. I'll just briefly, for Christians, it's not a matter of, you know, how do you talk to yourself? It's a matter of challenging my sort of self-criticism. Do I think the spirit of Christ in me is going, yeah. You're lazy. You need to <laughs> get do your more. act together. It just doesn't sound like Jesus. I don't think no. so. So yeah. no. just take it easy. Everyone relax. Mm-hmm. Well, recently I saw a video in a couple articles of this teacher in California. Oh, yeah. I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had two or three people mention it to me. Yeah. This what did you extreme leave? teacher in California was pushing his um, personal political agenda on his high school students. And um, from what I read, he was giving them extra credit if they went to like rallies and stuff like that. Mostly left-wing stuff. Yeah, very extreme. And what was the flag that he had? He had an Antifa flag. Yes, hanging in his room. And which, of course, stirred up some conversations between the students and the teacher. And then he kind of like pressed in. Well, if that makes you feel uncomfortable, then that's your fault. What does that make you feel uncomfortable kind of thing? It was just a really um, toxic environment and not what we would expect, I think, as parents sending our teenagers off to school. That's right. That's Mm -hmm. right. Some of those parents were pretty upset. Mm-hmm. For sure. Didn't we talk about this last week? A little bit. Yes. Not this we did. particular thing, but this is 
we talked about what, when your school is not teaching the same, your own values, things like that. Right. Mm -hmm. And I do think this is a pretty extreme case. I don't think most of us are dealing with that sort of a situation in our child's classroom. Yeah, exactly. As a matter of fact, I, you know, there are many times that uh, I really need to remind parents that, you know, certain topics like this will absolutely, you know, kick off your political sensibilities where you're all about it. And I would be careful about that in front of your teenagers. They actually, uh, believe it or not, don't want to hear your rant about whatever your political view is. But here's the other thing. And I don't know if you read this part in the story, but uh, I believe one of the students' moms who was complaining, see if I got this right. Didn't she say that in the two weeks that her kid was there, he undid what all of what her teenager had they had taught their teenager or something like that. Is that what she said? Yes. It was at the school board meeting. The parents were speaking up and one mom was pretty upset. And um, yeah, that was one of the things she said, something along the lines of like in two weeks, that teacher undid everything that, you know, I had taught my kid all of these, you know, 15 or 16 years. Yeah. See, Mm -hmm. so that pricks up my feeding the mouth that bites you ears because Mm -hmm. two things, number one, Good for her for good use of hyperbole, as in I assume she is exaggerating to make her point. Right. Because number two, as any parent of teenagers that's doing feeding the mouth stuff should know, if your teenager's uh, views were, quote, undone in two weeks, well, that's on you. Like how weak was your teenager if they can't um, have, and again, teenagers aren't going to be fully solid about their views of all things. But they mm-hmm. are, if you're doing the kind of emancipation that we're talking about, you should be instilling a confidence more and more that what your teenager thinks about these things is important. Not, mm-hmm. did, did you remember everything we told you? And are you carrying our bottom line, you know, sort of playbook? It is, what do you think? And so uh, I'm, I'm assuming she was exaggerating because if your teenager is flipped in two weeks, from what I assume she means this teenager had been saying, well, then that wasn't a very strong position anyway. We did a thing right. on politics, I think, right? An episode mm-hmm. of that, that thing. So, you know, I that's the only feeding the mouth thing that got me was like two weeks undone. Mm-hmm. That, wow. That's on you. Yeah. If you send a <laughs> 16-year-old, eight-year-old, basically, you know, level that can't tell the difference, then, yeah, it's a great opportunity to examine uh, why does my teenager not have confidence in his or her own opinion about things? Right. And part of part of being a great parent of a teenager is to encourage them to think for themselves and to stand up for what they believe. Um, yes. I know kids can sometimes be very wishy-washy depending on what they're reading on social media, what their friends are saying, uh, people that they admire are saying. But I do think it's important as a parent to be uh, not just training or teaching your kids what they need to be thinking, but just asking a lot of questions. What do you think and why, you know, encouraging them to, to figure out what it is they believe and why they believe it and have some, have some good thought behind it. And mainly the confidence in what they think, Mm -hmm. not so much on the courage to stand up and say it. I think that's fine, but I can't tell you how many stories where I have teenagers misfiring because they chose that moment to stand up and be a jerk about their opinion. Main thing is to know your thoughts, Mm -hmm. uh, which really starts with lots of times asking your teenager, well, what do you think about that? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, you've already heard my little speech. You know what I think. Uh, What what is it you think? And letting them know and reminding them 
I don't expect that your thoughts will line up with my thoughts. Mm-hmm. And, and I know we've said this in another episode, that doesn't mean that you ask them their thoughts so that you can load up your little response speech. Wait, wait, what? Say that again. (laughs) This is important for those strong opinions that when you're asking, you know, and we've said this many times, this is particularly true for Christian families. We do not have time to coddle our teenagers uh, through adolescence without absolutely doing the hard work of going, hey, you know what we think about this, but I'm not sure. I haven't heard you. What do you think? And he or she is going to go, I don't know. Really? You, You don't know. Yeah, I think you do. Why don't you think about it? And let's talk about it later. But don't you dare set up where they're like, well, I think and fill in the blank of what you think is the nuttiest thing ever. And 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 you uh, don't you dare say, you know, that's funny. You would think that because and then you lay into your thing again. You're just going to keep your teenager a child. Mm-hmm. Let them know that their thought they're now at a different age and able to think in what we call formal operational thought. And what you think about this thing is critical. And I've said many times, it worries me. You can have a kind of compliant teenager that has not thought through for herself or for himself. And that teenager is going to leave your home and find a charismatic other adult to fill in for you and tell that person what to think. And it's most likely not what you want. It's just Mm -hmm. not a fully formed adult, if you will. Mm-hmm. That might be the best thing I've ever heard you say, Dr. Ken, because I think these parents don't think about the long run. You know, they're like, yes. my teenagers in high school, you do what I say. This is what our family stands for. That's this right. is who we are. And then go off to college and, or, you know, move on with life and move out and get a career. And they, they're not capable of thinking from themselves or having an opinion of their own. That's right. And how detrimental that could be because it could get them in a, you know, bad relationship with somebody else and seen it all mm -hmm. the time. You know, you don't Mm -hmm. define a good teenager by look how compliant and Mm -hmm. quiet and obedient he or she is that that's, that's a child. I'm fine with that. Mm -hmm. But for a teenager, yeah, it worries me if you don't have some pushback or rethinking that shows you they are doing their own work of figuring this out for themselves. Mm -hmm. Right. That's good. Well, let's switch gears. We got a question from a listener about trust. Hmm. Now the question wasn't typically like, wasn't exactly clear on what the trust issue was. Yeah. And I know trust is very, it can be very vague. Like how did we lose trust or where did, you know, like what happened? And so depending upon what happened, you know, gives the response to that. So let's just talk about trust. Our teenager has lost our trust. Yeah. Now what? Yeah. See, that's a good point because trust issues is a way of talking and there's a way of talking about lots of things like parenting in a really vague kind of sweet sounding way, but it's like, what are we talking about? And what are you really going to do? I can tell you where it mainly comes up. uh, And we've, I know we've talked about this at some point in limit setting, and I'm pretty sure it's in the book, but the thing you want to mostly think about is that, that kid you have, that's pretty good. And, you know, occasionally he's been late on curfew and, but, but he was now brought home by a cop or the school contacts you and they have found uh, marijuana in his backpack, something that you're like, whoa, way overboard, you know? Um, And that's usually where there's real problems uh, with trust. The difficulty there is that parents will put themselves in a position because of your fear, 
Mm-hmm. You'll try to give out the message of, and parents will do this. This has really blown our trust. And, and we need you to earn that trust back. Well, that sounds good, but I think it is good for children. But for planned emancipation, it leaves out the constant, you have to constantly be aware of the clock on the wall. Like mm-hmm. we don't have time, a 17 year old or whatever to, to you build back our trust because that makes it seem like we can hold off on your reaching emancipation. Like after high school, you may graduate high school, but you're still going to be grounded in your room. No, you're not. You don't have that kind of luxury. Mm -hmm, And so you don't technically earn a teenager. You don't have the time for your teenager to quote, earn your trust back. Does that surprise you that I put it like that? Um, No, I think that makes sense. Yeah. I'm assuming the listener wanted to know, like, what do the steps look like in regards to your teenager earning your trust back? And I think that's where you're saying, like, it's different for feeding the mouth parents. Yeah, I wouldn't think about it like that. I think about Mm -hmm. it more like um, the intervention is more uh, how what's the the appropriate intervention to basically jail time. So for Mm -hmm. something big, like I caught you in the bedroom, you know, with your girlfriend or you know, we found we, whatever, something that's a significant thing, then your first thing to think about is uh, the intervention. They need to pay a significant cost of that. And I think, you know, I've said before that in most cases for a big uh, infraction, grounding, like complete grounding, you don't go anywhere other than school or your job or sports that you're in, but but otherwise you're here, you're not in contact with friends and so forth. a minimum of two weeks for something big. But what may surprise people is a maximum of a month. Usually more than a four weeks of full grounding is almost like a life sentence and does not kind of reduces the impact over time. Mm. So it's and usually something big like enough. Well, I know exactly. It, it, you know, <laughs> Their life how about, needs can I over. punch him? Can I punch him in the nose also? Yes. No, it just, it's, <laughs> I'm looking at what makes the most impact. And right. so a mm-hmm. lengthy period of restriction is important. You, you don't have to throw in, for example, uh, no use of their phone during that time. Because uh, sometimes that creates more problem than is worth. Uh, often you have, along with grounding, a limited use of phone. Like now you've got to turn it in by eight uh, every day. But, but something that is a significant, what I call jail time. But, and this is the important part. Because and you let them know that at the end of that jail time, you will go back to the freedom that you had before. That's the hardest thing. Yes. That, you know, you think, what do you mean go back to the freedom before? Yeah. You know, he had his girlfriend in his bedroom, whatever. The key is, again, with adolescents, you are not teaching them as much as you are training them. And they have to be back in the saddle again, uh, knowing that you, you may you will get you'll suffer again if you do something like this. In the meantime, you have to kind of get at what was the behind this. Do you think our rules about this or that thing are dumb? Are you more and more involved in drugs than we know about? Things that you kind of have to get at uh, to basically formulate your best intervention. But do you hear how none of that is the overly personalized kind of degrading sound of you have to earn my trust back that Mm -hmm. that makes you way too big in their life you're not that huge and it it takes out 
Well, I'll tell you this, it adds an extra thing parents don't think about is that that kind of language, you're just grounded. And I, I don't know, we'll let you know. Uh, <laughs> sounds like yesterday I was 16. Today I am a 10 year old. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm having to get permission to go to the bathroom. And that adds, they will put up with anything for at least a, a week or two. They'll be great. I understand. I'm sorry. And we're thinking, now nah, we have the kid we need. <laughs> but after a while, what builds up, of course, is their primary need, which is autonomy. I'm getting mm -hmm. nowhere. And it adds an extra fear. So being able to talk up front about, you know, this is going to cost you. And I, I'm stunned here. You're grounded and we'll let you know. Uh, it may be maximum grounding. We're just telling you. But it will not being afraid to let them know this will come to an end is an important part of the right message that this did not stop your progress toward adulthood, which is what teenagers imply all the time. And it actually adds almost an anxiety, like a panic on the part mm -hmm. of a teenager and increasing increases their uh, motivation to uh, sneak and, uh, you know, because I got nothing to lose here. So I might as well start digging a tunnel to get out of this this jail. It's a mixture both of serious grounding. I mean, there needs to be a serious response to that. But at the same time, not being afraid to do the hard work of, I need to talk to you about where you're thinking about this because I can't make sure you don't do this again. That's mm -hmm. much, I can't tell you, that's much more impactful on a teenager than the reverse message that sounds to them like, well, we thought you were going to be on, you're a good boy, but you're not a good boy. And you mm -hmm. now are just having it, just earn our trust. All these patronizing messages that, that basically fear brings out in parents. Mm -hmm. Well, and honestly, as a parent, I don't know if I'm honest with myself, I don't know that my kid can ever earn my trust back after a big blow up. You know, it, even a month later, even if they've served their time, I is still in my head. Hey, you know, last time I left town, this happened. Or last time I let him do that. He did this, you know, or last time I let her go here with that yes. person, this happened. So in my mind, I'm still reliving that and thinking that's going to happen again. The next time they're with that person, the next time this situation happens. So to give yes. them this idea that you're going to be able to earn your trust. I just, that's, that's vague. And well, impossible. it's true. That's <laughs> exactly. And if, if you do the, you know, full intervention, do the jail time, now they're out. And then next, and that's a good example. The next time you're going out of town, you don't keep that in your mind. You say it. Well, I got to be honest, this weekend is making me nervous because I remember what happened last time. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it's, it's worrying me about this. And I don't know if you have anything you can tell me that'll make me feel better, but I'm just telling you, I hope that you're not going to end up missing an entire month. You know, something that again, if you're, if you're not overstating or overstepping your speech making, overstepping your attempts to control everything, there should be more communication about this mm -hmm. so that you can say, so yeah, you wouldn't just have it in your mind that, yeah, I did, they haven't earned my trust back, but you'd say it like, I, I mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I just, I think we've had really good talks and I appreciate that, but I'm nervous. I'm just worried mm -hmm. about how this is going to go. But mm -hmm. remember in examples like that, whether it's drugs or certainly a, a girlfriend or boyfriend, you're not making sure it's not happening, you know, that there's not inappropriate stuff happening anyway. You know, kids mm -hmm. can be grounded and all you can do is go to school and to your sports, uh, maybe to your job. And they're still making out with their girlfriend or boyfriend when you're, you can't, you know, it's not like if we make sure they're not at the house, we're 
making sure they're staying sexually pure. That's not your job. Your teenager no. has to st- stay sexually pure. So it's a matter of what is most reinforcing to this young adult te- uh, kid that you have, not did I do my job of making sure they're good kids. That's just, you know, over and over again, that's, that's a weak intervention. So Dr. Ken, I understand what Jessica just said, and I can relate <laughs> about the trust thing. Is that a mom thing or is that just a personal, like I have trust issues anyways? <laughs> it, it's, it, it, it tends to be higher on mother's list because of what mothers expect from themselves. Uh, and so mothers, for example, will feel more likely that we made a mistake by going away anyway, you know, whatever. So I think nurturance bring, makes it higher. But ironically, when the example about the uh, dating couple that's alone in the house, uh, it'll depend on which is your kid based on the father. Oh, so if yeah. it's a dad that comes home and it's a, his daughter that's in the house with a boy, uh, it will be the dad that will react pretty strongly. <laughs> Firearms are often talked about. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and, and, you know, that's, that's an important gender difference that a girl needs to see that. But so it, it does vary somewhat, but the general feeling is mostly moms who still struggle with, shouldn't we keep our child safe and, mm-hmm. and, and uh, doing the right thing. And again, feeding the mouth moms know, well, what age is the child? Mm-hmm. Okay. So as a parent, my next question would be if I, let's say have my kid who goes off with these friends and comes home drunk. And I, I see that those kids are a problem. Well, they've served their time now. It's been a month. Yes. Do we, and then they say, Hey, we're going to go out with these kids again. Do I allow that? How do I stop that? situation? I want to say absolutely not. (laughs) Right. It's a great question. So there's two things about that. Number one, that's a big thing. You're going to be grounded minimum of two weeks, not more than four, something like that. But yes, uh, when the next time that happens, there will be one thing to remind yourself and your kid, oh, you're going with those same people. And yeah, I would not restrict that. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'll tell you in a minute, there is a case when you do restrict that. But at first you don't, but you also need to remind your kid of what your rule should be. The rule is not you can't get drunk. The rule is not that you can't drink alcohol. The rule is you cannot even be where it is being consumed by minors. So, oh, you're going to be with those kids. I see. If I discover that there has been alcohol there, you will be grounded again for a minimum of two weeks. And that's very commonly the problem parents get into is I know that he's going with that group and they drink. Well, make sure that you're not accidentally saying, well, as long as you don't drink, that's okay. You cannot do that. Because you'd be foolish to assume that they're not drinking. And if your kid is hanging in a group that is drinking regularly and telling you that he or she is not drinking, uh, you're already in trouble. Teenagers mm-hmm. will eventually drink. It's just what they're going to do. So you have to shore back up your rule that if, you're, if your kid is going back out with that group, uh, you need to warn them about if I find out there's alcohol there at all. And then secondly, and to the end of it, there is a point where a kid has real drug and alcohol problems, sort of been in treatment, that one of the steps further down the line in addiction is actually making a list of people that are triggers for their inability to stay away from drugs and alcohol. But mm-hmm. that has, that's, that, then it becomes effective. 
But anything before that, where you're making a list for your teenager, if you just can't be with these people, uh, mm-hmm. you're kidding yourself. Remember, you unless you can hire a private detective, you cannot really know whether they're around those people. It's just, I have no problem with if we could keep them from these kids. You cannot. You must mm-hmm. train your teenager to make those decisions uh, about how they're going to do that. So you can't make that list and, and assume that it'll make any, any use until way down the line if they're actually in addiction treatment. So I did want to remind our listeners that on episode six, we discussed vaping drugs and alcohol. Episode 10 and 11, we discussed limit setting part one and part two. Episode 29 and 30, we talked about sex and teenagers. <laughs> and episode 57 and 58, we discussed the addicted teenager and their families, part one and two. This is what I do. You know, I'll have parents in my office go, you know, well, what do we do about? And I'm like, you told me you read the book. Have you listened to the po- Oh, yeah, we're listening. It's out there. Just go look at it. We're, <laughs> we're trying to shove this information out there. It's everywhere. Anyway, but yes, it's, yes. it's out there. We've covered this stuff. So you may have some catching up to do on our podcast. If you've, if you've resonated with any of this, or if you're already experiencing some, something along these lines, maybe important for you to go back and listen, listen to a few more specific episodes might be helpful. And I certainly don't want to scold our listeners. I've met a, a very cool mom just this weekend who runs and we're who she listens to while she runs. And oh, I said, Oh, oh that's great. I said, you need to find better. You're we're it. You, there's cool <laughs> podcasts out there. true crime. Come on. But, but yeah, people are really, they, they do their work. They really do. Multitasker learning how to be a great parent that's, and running and staying in shape. I'm proud time. of her. That's awesome. <laughs> well, thank you guys for this conversation today. It's been a lot of fun and I appreciate your input. Thanks for joining us today. Hit the subscribe button so you won't miss an episode. Also, leave us a review. This is how other listeners find our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Feeding the Mouth. We appreciate you and would love to hear from you. If you have any questions, thoughts, or ideas about what we've discussed today, please email us at podcast at feedingthemouth.com.